You'd be quite a handsome girl if it weren't for your eyes. No one's told you? Everyone. You'd be quite a gentleman if it wasn't for your manners. <laughs> and that's from Annie Sullivan. This is What Not to Say on a First Date. And of course, we have Dr. Don Kiefer coming up later in the show, who will help you out if you're in the, if you or maybe your kids are, are dating and they don't know how to run a first date. He's a dating specialist, so that stay tuned for that. Uh, right now, I want to tell you about an email from a young woman who's having a lot of problems with intimacy. See what you think about this. Dear Dr. Kenner, I have a few questions and I've never really talked to anyone about them. I am very self-conscious when I think of becoming intimate with someone I like or when I'm dating. I can't explain why I feel like this. I don't know if I'm scared I'll do something wrong or if I'm just self-conscious. I've never really been good at getting into a serious relationship because I feel then we have to become more intimate, which I avoid. How do I change this problem? Thanks, Jeanette. Jeanette, I'm assuming you mean intercourse. I'm not sure exactly what you mean by intimate, whether it's just the kissing, the hugging, or intercourse itself. Uh, but before you even consider getting intimate, make sure you're with someone that you trust and you value. Someone that feels lovable, someone who sees to see the seems to see the best in you, that brings out the best in you. You don't want to just feel like you have to keep up with the Joneses, meaning if your girlfriends are dating and having intercourse and you haven't done it yet, then you have to catch up and somehow get a good grade on it. That's going that's the wrong approach to romantic love and that'll cause you problems down the line. So uh, so just keeping that in mind, that you want someone that you truly value and you start to feel cushy, you start to feel warm about this person. And I want to also say you want to avoid one night stands because even though they feel really good in the moment, if you're looking for true intimacy, a true connection with somebody, then you don't want to cheapen love by having just series of one night stands. Because really what that is, is not romantic love. But let's say that you've dated a guy and you know him and you really like him. He's so nice. You can't wait till he comes over and you think about him during the day. And then you think about the next date. And you would love to get intimate. You'd love him to kiss you and go further. You'd love to do that with him, too. So first, notice what you say to yourself. This is noticing your self-talk. If you're saying, well, what if I kiss and he doesn't like the way I'm kissing? What if he goes to caress me and I do something jerky, like I freeze or I pull away? What if he doesn't like the size of my breasts? Is my stomach too fat? What if it hurts when we have intercourse and I don't know what's going on and I get really embarrassed? If you're flooding your minds with that type of self-talk, then notice where you're focusing your mind. You're not focusing it on pleasure and romance, but you're focusing it on being judged by your partner and also judging yourself, feeling you can't allow yourself to feel the good feelings without constantly monitoring them. Psychologists, starting with Masters and Johnson and then Dr. Helen Singer Kaplan, have come up with a word for this. This is called spectatoring. 
Many married couples even do it when they're making love. And spectatoring, picture yourself sitting in the bleachers being a spectator watching a sports game. Or armchair quarterbacking, you know, sitting in front of your TV and critiquing every move. Well, Dr. Kaplan says that spectatoring is when a person watches his own sexual performance critically, as though he or she were a third person. The goal is to stop this. If you think that you're going to do this, or if you've kissed a few times and you notice your, your mind is focused on critiquing yourself, then you want to stop it. Because intimacy involves your ability to feel, to feel the passion, to feel the connection, to, fi- to have the good thoughts about the other person and have them translate into a profound sensual sexual emotion. And so you need to keep the critical judge at bay. And I want to read a little from Dr. Kaplan, um, because she says that for many women, even though we're in a totally open culture, that sex can still be associated with sin or shame and sometimes danger for many women. So she says, quote, women who have been taught at an early age to consider passivity and compliance a virtue are likely to react to their impulses to assume a more active role in sex with guilt and shame. And she contrasts it. She said, you know, in contrast, men do not usually fear rejection and censure. And if if they actively seek out sexual stimulation and pleasure. On the contrary, such behavior is usually considered a sign of virility. And Dr. Kaplan advises, she said, to enjoy good sex, you must be able to suspend all distracting thoughts and lose oneself in the erotic experience. Now, if you don't know how to do this, you can get some skills. You can read a book such as For Yourself, The Fulfillment of Female Sexuality by Lonnie Barback. You can get a book, Sexual Happiness. This is a book, A Practical Approach. This is by Maurice Yaffe, Y-A-F-F-E, and Elizabeth Fenwick. Uh, that will give you some education about sexuality. I mean, it's such an open culture that we assume that, you know, how to run a sexual relationship and but many times you don't know. It's a skill like any other activity, only this is a very profound uh, one with tremendous payoffs and tremendous hurts if it goes wrong. Um, Dr. Dr. Kaplan also says that persons who are anxious about sexuality frequently remain outside themselves, and they keep tight control over their emotions, and they observe their sexual reactions. That's the spectatoring. Uh, So you don't want to preside as a judge at one's own lovemaking. She says that's highly destructive to sexuality. So I would make sure you're with a person that you really want to move to the next step with and take very good precautions. You could speak with your gynecologist if you need to about um, how to protect yourself from unwanted pregnancies. And learn to talk more openly with your partner, just to to be able to tell your partner what you like and don't like. Uh, But that's further along the line. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and I hope that's helped you. I mentioned earlier that I would tell you how we avoid holiday tensions in our family around gift giving. In the past, we used to have to go out and buy gifts. And, you know, each time, will they spend more on me than I'll spend on them? Well, maybe I better get something bigger. Maybe I better have more gifts in the background, just, you know, in the house, just in case they give me something uncomfortable. What if I don't like the gift that they give me? What if I don't like the gift they 
um, that I, what if they don't like the gift that I gave them? What if I see it on their face, even though they're faking it? You know, it's there's so much awkwardness around gift giving. In our family, we've come up with what's, what we call a Yankee swap. And you may know about it. And a Yankee swap is we each find something in our homes that's either funny or we don't want anymore. We get together and then we each get a chance to, we wrap these very beautifully. I mean, once we wrapped leftover food, a pizza pie that my son had had months earlier that was still in our freezer uh, from a ski trip. And he got this pizza pie and it was hysterical. And of course he put it back in the pile because he didn't want it. And my, my uncle put it in handcuffs and everybody was fighting for his handcuffs. So if you don't know how to run a Yankee swap, uh, my uncle had handcuffs because um, he went to auctions, a, a boys club, and was always raising his hand buying items for the young boys. So somebody jokingly gave him the handcuffs. But of course, they have a sexual connotation. So all our family members had a lot of fun joking about who wants the handcuffs today or, or during the swap. So hope that helps. And when we come back, we'll be talking about dating and about family problems and taking your calls and questions. If you're seeing things running through your head, who can you call? So I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path of Romance by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner. Your potential partner's sense of life reflects his or her deepest values, and it is important that you try to identify those values consciously. Some view life as an exciting adventure, and using their best judgment, look for values to pursue that give their lives meaning. Others view life as a frightening burden and fear that achieving great values is hopeless. Some have no personal values and live only for others. You will want to know if your partner's philosophy matches your own and whether that philosophy is a healthy one, pro-happiness, pro-long-range achievement in the real world. People's professed philosophy and values may not be their real ones and may even be in conflict with the values that govern their daily choices and actions. You can download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.